welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. New episodes are released every second Monday, and you can get them for free in iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever your podcast app of choice may be. If you'd like more detailed show notes and links, you can go to soundofthemoment.com. And please don't hesitate to reach out to me via either the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook or Twitter, that's at Pat Cleaver, or even email. If you feel like emailing me directly, you can do that at pat at soundofthemoment.com. Please consider giving the show a favorable review or rating wherever you like to listen to it. Uh, Tell a friend to listen to the show if you know anybody who'd be interested in this kind of conversation. And if you have a couple of bucks to spare and you feel like this show is worth your money, you can support me via the Patreon campaign for Sound of the Moment. That is patreon.com slash sound of the moment, where you could go and help me out. Anything is much appreciated and very helpful. I am back after a week off, and this is episode number 24 for the 24th of September 2018. Bassist Mark Hanstra is my guest, and he has a duo with viola player Uno van Geel, and their latest project is called Shapes of Time. I'm going to play you a track from that record. This one is dedicated to the Icelandic bassist Skuli Sverison, and it's simply entitled Skuli. Thank you. 
My guest today is Mark Hanstra. Mark, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I I always like to begin by asking my guests to introduce themselves a bit, tell folks a bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, your background and stuff. Okay, well, I'm uh, a bass player, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, started out uh, when I was very young with classical piano, then uh, switched to bass guitar in my teens after hearing the music of James Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started playing bass guitar. It so happened actually that my dad, uh, he was um, importing um, bass amplifiers. Oh, and, wow. And um, for, for like a very short time in between jobs, he was doing that. <laughs> uh, and so there was like uh, plenty of bass amps downstairs and one <laughs> really shitty bass guitar. Okay. Like a Honer short scale bass guitar. Oh, yeah. And um, I was a bit lost with classical piano because I wasn't listening so much to that music anymore. So the the relation between um, the stuff I was listening to and I was interested in totally didn't match anymore, Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff I had to do musically. Yeah. Uh, So the moment, I mean, that this was a process of years, of course, that I started to realize that uh, this is not the kind of musician, like this is not what my musicianship is about. Uh, And... um, Funny enough, something I encounter very, like, later on in my, you know, when I actually had a career, mm-hmm. I had plenty of those moments, yeah, actually. Okay. Uh, anyway, so so I started to fool around a little bit on the, on the bass guitar and, uh, like, figuring out James Brown grooves and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then uh, my dad was a jazz piano player, so he had a bass player who was uh, studying at uh, Hilversum, Hilversum Conservatory at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, and he just asked, uh, could, you know, could you teach my son he, uh, a few things? And yeah. he needed he needed students actually for his uh, for his uh, um, you know experiences uh, to become a teacher and everything. So so mm. yeah, that was a good match. And actually, he was he, he was his name was Rafael Sofner. He he died unfortunately, but uh, it's like about ten years ago. But mm-hmm. um, but this these first couple of years were key. I yeah. mean, he really like he was like a role model for me, and uh, the, yeah. So I really started to work like crazy on the, on the bass guitar, and that became sort of my purpose. So like that was then very clear to me. Like I was gonna be a musician, and then uh, did the conservatory, and yeah, during those those years, I you know kind of made already some musical decisions, the uh, kind of direction I wanted to go became pretty clear. Mm-hmm. So I started out, uh, um, I started out, uh, you know, playing in this more contemporary jazz field, had bands there and, and uh, yeah, so my career started in 98, I guess. And mm-hmm. since then I, it, it became very broad. I started, you know, I, I like a lot, during my studies, I also picked up the double bass and, uh, and then it just became from, uh, you know, playing standards to playing yeah you know like more contemporary jazz forms then much later starting to play more rock and pop music and yeah. uh, um, classical music again play a lot with uh, orchestras that yeah because I was able to read of course already that that sort of also went smoothly I was always interested in kept kind of my interest in that music so now it's really all over the scope yeah and uh, which is something I really like, yeah. and I'm very happy that I can do that. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of uh, ton of projects that we're going to uh, touch on, I guess. But uh, probably the 
the most important and main thing we're here to talk about is your duo with uh, viola player Una van Geel. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, before we get into the details of the of the record that that people will have heard a, a bit of already, maybe you can talk a bit about Una and the relationship you guys have. I know you guys have been playing together for something like two decades or something. Yeah, that's right. Well, we had. Um we met uh, in uh, around 97, I think, and uh, we were still both students. And um, it was just in a jam session that Ernst Glerum organized at that time, mm-hmm. yeah. like close to his house. And uh, um, he needed a bass player to play in a contest in Spain. So he asked me and uh, to do that. Mm. And uh, then I became part of that band. And that was his own group called Gil. Uh, and uh, since, I mean, that was like right away, we always had a very um, uh, like good musical connection and uh, the same kind of work ethic that we were like are both persons that like to dive into something new, check mm-hmm. new stuff out and really, you know, yeah. um, you know, and be very practical about it. So yeah. we're not like into the old like starting to theorize everything and like uh but just experience things so yeah we always had this kind of um uh whenever they're like une of course is a very uh you know productive and experienced uh composer from early age mm. and uh so he would write a lot of stuff and a lot of things that we were at, um, exposed to such as uh south indian music um the jazz things that we, you know, like what, which was, you know, for big part our, our background, uh, harmonic concepts. He, like, we, there was a saxophone player who uh, in that band who was very interested in Slonimsky, Nicholas Slonimsky, which mm. is this uh, theorist that you know wrote this all these this book full of skills. So yeah, they yeah. would write music with these skills, and anyway, it's just like all these kind of concepts that found their way in the music, and we had like um, a connection in that we really were eager to dive into all that stuff and try to a lot of musicians they um which is fine uh, you know in in its own right um they like uh they they need to be able to make music right away with everything that comes their way and Mm -hmm. if they don't find that in it it's not their thing yeah okay and we were the type of musicians in that in that particular band also that if we were interested in something, we would just do it long enough and we would bite yeah. our teeth in it long <laughs> enough so we could actually make music with it. So yeah. that's sort of like sour apple that you have to go <laughs> bite through. <laughs> that We kind of took that for granted. So this thing, that I think that's like the core yeah. to to, uh, to who we are as musicians and still. Yeah. I mean, hence the fact like an, an viola bass guitar duo is really yeah. very strange. <laughs> and we had to overcome... Um, uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, yeah, like difficulties musically, uh, how to make this work, mm-hmm. and to find uh, we kind of had to invent uh, kind of for our. I mean, we didn't invent a new genre, but for ourselves, we had to invent something that we hadn't, we didn't yeah. have yet to make this uh, a full sounding uh, yeah. Uh, yeah musical ensemble that is nice to listen to. Yeah. As simple as that, mm-hmm. and that took. Um, I mean, we started this about I think. We had so many bands together. So we actually started also with repertoire that we already has, had sort of collected. And none, yeah. hardly any of that uh, um, stayed in our repertoire now. Mm. And it was just, 
you're just overcompensating for what you don't have all the time and that's not how you yeah. want how you want that's at least not how we want this duo to be um although it was good to go through that process and then we did this for a couple of years uh, we did some live concerts we did some uh, uh kind of trial recordings we did a couple of recordings for una's uh, solo uh, like debut that he did uh, sudoku which is a very nice album and yeah. he did, invited a lot of guests and i played on two or three tracks i don't exactly remember on it and those were the first sort of recorded things that we that we published mm. and then we started to slowly work uh, towards uh, shapes of time yeah. which uh, is out now yeah, yeah. so but um is there stuff that you can because obviously like you say there's no real like conventions about how you perform as a bass guitar and viola duo like is there stuff that you have figured out like how do you fill the space what is it like is there things you can point to specifically musically that you guys have have now like established as okay this is how we can make this work is it i can imagine that the compositional process has to be very different than it would be for a quintet or whatever like you probably have to write very much with in mind okay well there's only two of us here so this is what funny enough um where we are right now is that actually we don't try to fill the space yeah okay we try just to try just to leave it there and um i mean we are both we are both rhythmically pretty precise so if we play complicated rhythms it's not like uh uh, we need to have we we miss a drummer and yeah, we start sure. to overcompensate to yeah. play play everything full. We can yeah, yeah. we can. I mean, it's a bit technical, but I'm sure you know the um, this uh, this uh, uh, this feeling of you didn't master a rhythm or a structure yet, and you play mostly to over. Yeah. compensate and to confirm for yourself where you are in the structure i think uh, that's pretty common yeah yeah so so uh of, obviously we went through this already um with so many things we did in the past so we know that we have to play very little mm-hmm. and a few notes li- like that we can find each other very well so also the more rhythmic stuff we do uh at least we don't. We can just leave that space for what it is, and we know we feel uh, <laughs> we feel where the structure is, and we we can really kind of breathe uh, together. Yeah. So that uh, at least we didn't have to overcome that uh, compositionally. Well, we noticed that songs that have a very um, um, complicated harmony, and of course we can't really play yeah. so much of it. Uh, they are. They took more time, let's yeah. say. And uh, uh, of course, when you, as a player, you hear it so different because you actually hear the harmony in your head that you're playing on, but the listener doesn't really hear that. So yeah. uh, we had we had to go through a process to sort of uh, become a, a listener and just yeah. feel, uh, yeah, a little bit of distance. Like, how does this come across? You know, does this actually make musical sense what <laughs> we're playing now? So I think may- maybe. Listening to Shapes of Time, I think we definitely made a big improvement there to try mm-hmm. to go to to yeah to become more aware of what a listener uh, can still appreciate, yeah. and um, uh, it's it's a nice thing actually to to uh, leave a lot of uh, uh, room to the imagine imagination of the listener yeah. and not try to like. Uh, give everything ready so there's so so actually we became the, the whole process of this record was actually try to um more embrace that that space that you leave and i mean as a bass guitar player 
that's on the other side of it. Uh, if I mean, I really love to play more guitaristic. Yeah. So in the exposition of a, of a theme, actually, I can play much of the harmony. Yeah. And um, you know, then in the when it comes to improvisation, you kind of set the the whole mood and the, and the, the, the harmonic textures yeah. and all that of the of the piece. So then you can also leave it for the rest of the listener to yeah. like to understand or feel the context of what whatever whatever it is that we're doing improvisationally. Yeah. It's true. There's always something really liberating I find as a bass player to play without having another harmonic instrument there and also without having a drummer there who's going to fill up all the spectrum. Yeah. Like you can yeah. really, like you say, just play like a guitar player almost. Yeah. There's, there's, and, and that really comes across on the record, I feel. This, um, talking about the compositional process, first of all, like, are you, do you guys compose separately? Do you figure out like stuff together? Is there a process, like collaborative process there? Um, I think finally we write the piece individually. Mm-hmm. Um, Except, um, yeah, there's a few pieces that were, nah, no, not really. Then it's a kind of a process after the after the composition is written. Then they go through a lot of transformations, mm-hmm. and then you know we make them alive together. I would say, but uh, but actual composition is just from one person. But um, so uh, Una wrote. Uh, Una is far more productive than I am. He writes faster, so he, you know, his he has always more tunes than I will have. But uh, I, I, yeah, I write things definitely. I mean, we write with each other in mind, yeah. and uh, and uh, yeah. So and then in the process of working on those tunes, and there's definitely a, a big part is making it our own and making it our composition, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so plenty of new ideas and plenty of uh, um, changes follow after. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's another thing. I mean, you touched upon it a bit earlier when you when we were talking about the idea of that you both like to dig into material that you're not necessarily familiar with. Is that still something that is ongoing? And also, I feel like that's that's maybe a, a common thing in terms of compositional technique that people tend to write stuff that they can't play in exactly, order to, yeah, learn to yeah, play it. Yeah. Is, that, is that kind of the process? Is that still something that you guys are doing like um, even 20 years later? Like, uh, Yes, um, uh, definitely. Although I would say not so much for this record. Okay. Finally. I mean, it's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, um, although... Yeah, I mean, we have to speak a bit more about the, about that actual album because actually there's a lot that was completely new and out of the box to us. But uh, it was finally, I would say, um, not something t- like a, like a certain musical technique, mm-hmm. but it was much more about aesthetic. It was much more about uh, where where you know what what you're looking for. Uh, you know, what what do you want to give to the listener? What kind of like what kind of atmosphere do you want to create? Yeah. Um, uh, more like uh, not necessarily musical um, uh, reasons to do something, you know. Um, so that was actually um, definitely out of the box. Uh, whether before it would be something like, uh, I mean, the thing that when you asked the question that came to mind is that we both have an interest in in the in the, in the skills of Olivier Messiaen, yeah, and uh, which is of course a creates a completely different uh, um, improvisational language, if you yeah, use those. 
Una wrote some pieces that were inspired on that, so that became something that we started to dig in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Una wrote that piece because she wanted to do something with it, yeah. and I was like, okay, wow, that's interesting. So I'm gonna d- d- dig into uh, to it so I can yeah. also improvise on that, which is like uh, I realized uh, I would need years actually yeah. to you know to do yeah. something meaningful with that. But uh, um, but anyway, so yeah, that 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 the aspect is definitely still there. However to sort of uh, uh, speak a little bit about uh, the shapes of time. Um, when we when we started to make the record, our first uh, sort of automatic uh, um, goal was, okay, let's try to put on this record everything that we are about mm-hmm. or everything that we have done. So then it, indeed you would think very technical like, um, okay, the piece with the Messian skill, that would be interesting. We have also like some uh, more Balkan ri- uh, 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 rhythm-oriented tunes that mm-hmm. would be nice. Then, of course, we need a little bit of more melodic material, more <laughs> like a melancholic songs or whatever. Um, so then you get to this kind of record that has a little bit of everything. Yeah. And it took about three, four months of thinking about repertoire, thinking about planning the CD and everything, uh to realize like okay that is really definitely not the kind of album yeah. we want to make we are we are already as an instrumentation it's already quite out of the box yeah uh, so let's try to aim for an album that actually has one uh like that is like like a, a an album like um what can i say that as a, like a, a whole you know yeah. like that is not like a little bit of everything but just one yeah. idea no, and that's and definitely how it ends up sounding. Like it feels yeah. like there's one arc and there's, there's exactly. Like a, so that was what we were going for, which was really completely different than what we have done before. Uh, not as a duo, but in all the different bands and everything uh, that we uh, were involved with. And um, this was an important thing. And actually, we weren't really sure where to go uh, until we uh, uh, played on uh, uh, photography. Uh, exposition where we met uh, the photographer Udo Prinsen, yeah. who, uh, who made um, uh, long shutter time uh, images on the Arctic's. Yeah, and he he, well, these images are unbelievable. Definitely recommend the listeners to check it out. Mm-hmm. His images, um, they were exactly that what we were looking for musically. So it was definitely one atmosphere, mm-hmm. one uh, very strong. Uh, uh, conceptual idea and a lot of variation within that idea yeah, yeah, and yeah. within that atmosphere and within that aesthetic. So he made these pictures that sometimes uh, he the lens was open for seven days, uh, but also sometimes over 300 days. Yeah. So then what you see, you see the light, uh, you see a combination of all that time in one in one image. Yeah. So actually, actually, uh, actually, what you're looking at is not uh, is light of you know it's dark and it's light. Mm-hmm. You know, it's daylight, it's dark. Uh, you you see uh, in a very cold landscape, but somehow the combination of all the uh, uh, you know all the different uh, uh, light uh, colors and everything makes it very warm to look at. Yeah. Uh, so there's all this duality in those images, but still, like aesthetically, it's really very very much you see it as one thing and the more and more we started to think about that the more uh, that became kind of um, um, the red thread or like a guidance to us Mm -hmm. like okay you know that's that's how we shoot 
try to make an album. And yeah. the more and more we started to actually, and this was a very interesting uh, couple of months, you know, because um, then we started to, uh, we, we kind of, we decided very organically thinking about this, actually we should make uh, a kind of a photo album. Yeah. So we make an album where the pictures are presented and the music which is based on these pictures mm -hmm. is presented in uh, an equal way. So that's how this whole thing came about. And then when we started, we decided that we would do that, then we could throw away half of our repertoire. <laughs> yeah. So that was very good. So yeah. uh, so uh, so we started to write new pieces. And um, also very important, we, um, at that time that we were thinking about the record, Rafael Fanoli, guitar player, yeah. he came out with his uh, solo album, uh, yeah. uh, Brybacks. Mm -hmm. Brybacks, actually don't really know how to pronounce it. but um, And we thought that, what he had created there fitted so well with what we wanted to do. So mm -hmm. then we asked him to be a guest for half of the album. Yeah. So that's kind of how that whole thing started. So to come back to your question, this was also in a way the same thing. Try to challenge you yourself yeah. uh, of something that you hadn't really done before. Uh, it's it's kind of new. It's totally out of the box for us to uh, to make images sort of the leading aspect of what you, how, your, how your music is going to sound like. For me, that was really totally new. For yeah. Una, maybe a little bit less, but... Uh, but uh, so that was definitely, uh, yeah, a completely different angle. But how does that work? Are you, like... It seems like a very abstract idea that you're, like, looking at photographs and writing music to the photograph. Like, it, is it just you get a certain vibe. I mean, it's very clear to me the the connection when listening to the album and looking at the the photography, it's very clear that there's a there's a connection and that it really works and the like the commonality in the aesthetic is clear, but I don't know if it's very explicit. No, we didn't uh, it no, I don't think it's very explicit. Sometimes it is and sometimes it is very um associative. For instance, the the tune that we listened to Schooly uh before well, this piece obviously is inspired on the bass player yeah, Scully Sirison. Yeah, I think it. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so, um, who's from Iceland, who ha represents a very, anyway, to me, mm -hmm. which I, um, yeah, you know, um, this is of course a bit in the, it's very personal, but for me, he represents very much a Scandinavian or like more, you know, like certain... Uh, sound that really belongs to you know to that aesthetic of music that you hear from Iceland and Scandinavian yeah. countries, uh, Norwegian especially, I would say. Yeah. Um, Norway, I mean. Uh, so, um, so his music uh, on on especially the duo that he has with uh, Oscar Gudjonsson or mm -hmm. his record Seria, they were very from important for me and they represent a certain sound and I can see a very clear connection between the pictures from Udo, Udo and his music. Yeah. So that's the connection there. Yeah, you know, sure. so I I I didn't look at that particular image and then wrote the song. Actually mm -hmm. it's Udo <coughs> sorry, it's Udo who uh who uh selected that particular image with that song. So it went hmm. kind of both ways. Yeah. So um we thought that that piece fits definitely with the, um, with the, I mean, I wrote it actually for the album. The only thing is that uh, we didn't have the idea <laughs> about the pictures. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. yeah. So then the idea with the pictures came later and hmm. we thought it fitted very well. And then finally, um, uh, Udo, he selected the image with uh, with the song. Yeah. 
Um, so this was like a very, you know, kind of an exchange. Mm. Then there's a piece on the record called Arctic Ortelius, uh, which is um, composed by Una. And this is very, very clearly uh, an, of like direct translation on what you see on the image. First of mm-hmm. all, the image uh, of, of that particular song that, I mean, um, is, uh, is the, the boat that actually was, uh, uh, this expedition was on, yeah. on a boat called the Arctic Ortelius. Yeah. And the picture on that boat is you see a boat basically, you can't really see it's a boat, but you see uh, uh, um, a lot of wild sea. You see uh, um, it, there's a lot of movement in that picture, which is because the boat was moving, of course. But yeah. um, anyway, yeah, it's hard to describe that picture. But uh, Una basically, he made... Raphael blow uh, his strings on mm-hmm. the uh, on the guitar and make kind of like this storm sound uh, uh, and like a wild like breaking ice type of sound mm-hmm. uh, on his guitar, which yeah he can do amazingly yeah. well because it's really kind of that's exactly what you hear. And then uh, the part, uh, Un and me, we are like completely something like a sort of a Viking choir, mm. uh, sort of very far away in the in the fog, you know. Uh, so this is a very direct translation of an image. So yeah, it's 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 that. And then you also see uh, uh, we also did an improvisation uh, called uh, Cyclo. That's the last uh, the last song of the of the record uh, where you see uh, all these. Uh, sunbeams basically you see the 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 the, the sun of of many days i think uh, i don't know i don't know two weeks or something mm-hmm. and you see the sun of course in all the different positions uh on that image and it gives these long curves through the image so basically what we did is uh, also very uh, literal almost uh, une and rafael are making a kind of a soundscape with all kinds of long notes and mm-hmm. and uh and um and there's a contrast, uh, uh, yeah, like a real, completely um, a different vibe with short notes uh, under it uh, from uh, Raphael and me. So, so there's the like kind of the duality that you see in the picture mm. is uh, represented very clearly in the music. So, yeah, it's you know, it's like every picture a little bit different, I would say. But it sounds like um, the actual, like, I mean, you literally said that one of the pictures it was like the, the Udo found the mm. the tune fits that picture and therefore he decided that picture is going to go with that tune and then the other way around like first of all what was his reaction to like to the idea of your music i mean i take it that he was that you guys played on an exhibition of his work was that his choice like okay i want these guys to come play here and therefore that's how the collaboration started or like how because i can imagine as a photographer it's got to be quite interesting to there's something really intimate about your work and then somebody comes and says hey i want to add something to this like is how was the the process well uh the the exposition was not only his exposition so there were many pictures that were expo- mm-hmm. uh, uh, exposed there and um, his series was just actually a very small part of the exposition so I'm glad we walked around and okay, we uh, yeah. and we actually saw that series. So then yeah. uh, the whole uh, you know the whole thing started um, started to move. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, he invited actually. I think I, I don't know exactly how that is, but I think he 
had met Una before and Una played a solo concert on one of his expositions once. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how that... So we he basically invited Una, do you want to do a musical performance to open the exposition? And yeah. then Una asked me and then... Uh, and then he was... Um, I mean, we didn't... We didn't. We had no idea, of course, that that would, would take uh, this uh, direction. But um, but uh, when we started to, you know, when the, this whole idea started to, yeah, really the beginning of this idea, and um, we inv- when we involved uh, uh, involved him with it, he was super excited, and he mm. actually he said it was always he always thought that there was so much more. Uh, potential in these pictures than just pictures that you show on uh, mm. uh, on, yeah. on an exposition or in a book or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, for him it was also a kind of a dream, dream come true as he put it himself that finally yeah this was developed in a much more sort of gesamtkunstwerk type of uh, way yeah. which he hoped that would happen but uh, yeah you know somebody had to pick it up yeah um so he was very excited about it and he has been an amazing um um uh companion in 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 much so much more than just like giving pictures and we write music on it mm. or something he actually the order for instance on the album is basically his mm. uh um uh, yeah i would give him like most credit for that uh because he made the order we have finally when we had like all the you know images uh, were selected. Uh, there was nine images, and then we had nine songs. Uh, some songs were really literally written uh, with an image in mind. Other images came with a song, like uh, for instance the example of Scully. <laughs> then we had it all together, and we went to his uh, his uh, atelier, and we put all these pictures uh, on the table with a song with certain specifics uh, written under the picture. He all prepared that, and we started to kind of. Uh, try to make an a story of images, mm-hmm. and, and so basically the order, uh, which I think is very important in this record. Yeah. In every record, it's very important. Yeah, yeah, in sure. this one, it was um, uh, trying to make a story with uh, uh, with this. Uh, it's, it seemed to us, yeah, we really wanted to make a record that you want to listen from the beginning till the end. So, um, and it really went with colors and images and kind of make a trip mm-hmm. because certain things are really written uh, our, our photos are on a boat and are you know you're going somewhere other things are much more stable uh and uh, yeah we kind of made a story that made sense color wise uh and and uh, image wise uh, uh the meaning of the images everything that you uh, can think about and when it made sense then actually we started to you know listen to the music and and it yeah, it it all came together, you know. Yeah. So uh, he was very very good with that, yeah. and now finally he has, of course, also the live images that he made uh, for us uh, during our performances. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, this. I mean, maybe this is more of a remark than than a question, even. But um, something that struck me about this project is like we always talk about how music and film are kind of the two artistic mediums where we can actually work with time like time is an element of the work whereas typically speaking we feel like pictorial work whether it's painting or photography or stuff doesn't really involve time in a sense Mm -hmm. and yet like this feels to me like it's it's 
there is a very clear element of time captured in the photography, yeah. um, which is which is kind of unique. I mean, I don't feel like I've seen that before. I feel like this is often like you're documenting a moment, yeah. And in this case, it's documenting a process, and therefore there's like a whole thing. And I guess that's part of like the the album title and all that stuff. Like, well, I should actually mention that the al- album title is actually taken from uh, this series, this okay. photo series. Yeah. So the shapes of time. Name the, the 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 name shapes of time mm-hmm. actually comes from him. Okay, uh, his images, this collection of images is called you know the series is called yeah. Shapes of Time, which indeed I mean it's that's it's exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you he captures on those images, he captures uh, yeah sometimes uh, over 300 days yeah. uh, in one image, um, which of course this idea is not new. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think actually old. I, I mean, the, origi- photo- the initial yeah. photography yeah, used exactly. to have to be that, right? Yeah, like exactly. You can go back to Nisa von Yeps and uh, yeah. whatever and find that. But yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So uh, this indeed, uh, yeah. That this was for us the interesting concept. Actually, uh, the metaphor for me was that if you hear, now let's say two musicians. I mean, with any group that you hear. Like let's say all the people that we admire and that we think like wow man the communication between the how the the way they make music mm-hmm. together is in a way it's also a moment mm-hmm. uh, because you just hear it in that moment and you think like wow how the hell did they do that yeah how could they know that they were going there mm-hmm. you know and finally the, the answer of course is also it is not a moment yeah. this is like a huge time span. Yeah. Uh, uh, that you know, um, either individually or together, they developed a certain kind of language, and that's how they, in that mm-hmm. moment, yeah. can create something. You know, with so much depth and so much, um, you know, there's so much behind it. So, like to, to you know, these moments that we find so amazing, of course, they have also a very long time span that led to that. Yeah, but you just hear it in that particular moment. Um, that's for me the metaphor between yeah. those images and uh, and hearing. Uh, you know, musicians play together. Yeah, they play course. really well together, and they can read each other. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't feel like I've ever heard somebody quite like put their finger on that. Like the idea of, indeed, in your case, like you've worked with Una for twenty years, and then we hear you guys play, you know, ten notes in the space of a few seconds, and we think, wow, what you know? Yeah, there's a whole, there's twenty years behind yeah, it, exactly. and and that's not, of course, we are not uh, unique in that. That's with, mm-hmm. with everybody, uh, uh, you know, every. You know, good musician that you hear playing with another one. You know, like they speak the language, and that language has to, has been developed for for such a long time. You know, and then if you grow together, you know, and you learn that language together, you and you learn so much about each other, and you know, you can sort of predict the the, the other person's movements. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, yeah, that's what I saw in those pictures. That for me was very interesting. Yeah, um, maybe that's an interesting. Um segue into um talking about featuring guests because you guys invited rafael van oli to, to play guitar on the record but i know that for live shows you've played with a bunch of people like with this duo specifically you've invited a bunch of people um to do various things um how does that first of all how does that work how do you pick somebody how do you decide okay this is somebody who like it makes sense for us to collaborate with this specific person and also like how do you fit somebody into a 20 year long relationship between two people like how do you have somebody come in and not feel like a third wheel not feel like they have a lot of catching up to do like how how's that experience been? well i can't speak for them of course for our guests no. <laughs> but uh but um uh, sometimes um 
that was more difficult. I mean, first of all, but whichever guest we invite, the mm-hmm. instrumentation will be a little bit strange. Yeah. Uh, so you deal with that or already. Uh, so you like it's not like. Um, with all due respect, I don't mean uh, uh, any. Uh, it's not any kind of like uh, qualification, whatever. But I mean, if you invite a piano player uh, as in uh, as a you know, let's say if Unami would be a rhythm section, mm-hmm. drums and bass, yeah, and we would invite a piano player, you immediately sort of you have a certain framework yeah. that you know you can uh, you you know you can work in. If you know that you're going to play. Uh, standards you can you know you can put together yeah. all kinds of different instrumentation you and have to sort of you can you know which door to walk into yeah and typically you're probably going to adapt to the guest rather than the guest adapting to you yeah. in that case right yeah yeah although we do that as well so anyway sure. so we have we have uh, Una and me we thought okay we have this duo uh, uh, which is it's actually the, the whole idea of inviting guests also kind of was born a little bit out of a necessity because we felt Set, usually, of course, if you play clubs, you play two sets. Two mm-hmm. sets, viola, bass, duo is mm-hmm. going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we always like these kind of collaborations and like to put ourselves in new situations. Uh, so we combined uh, those, you know, uh, two given facts. And um, then we thought, okay, if we play one set duo and then we do a second set with also for a large part repertoire of the guest we invite. Okay, yeah. Um, um, so, of course, the guest we invite, you know, has to have, you know, like some kind of like, and it has to fit, I mean, a little bit in the in the, the kind of, you know, stuff that Una and me are doing and has to have some pieces that, that are, you know, able to transform mm-hmm. uh, to this kind of uh, instrumentation. So we I invited um, uh, different players, George Dimitriou, Guitar player, this was very nice. Um, um, he brought in some tunes, and that worked super well immediately. Yeah. Uh, what's also nice, of course, about George is that he also plays violin. Yeah. So suddenly there was this all these possibilities uh, in making uh, different combinations with instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, piano players Rembrandt Vries and Wolfert uh, Brederode we had as guests mm-hmm. are totally different piano players in their yeah. own, you know, fantastic in their own right. And um, and uh, yeah, so this really took us in a completely different. Uh, uh, also Rembrandt and Wolfert both they have a lot of pieces, so we played mostly their repertoire. Yeah. Also, when we uh, when we were uh, doing these uh, concerts with them, and this was, uh, I mean, it's so nice because you have to, um, you have basically uh, the audience. You give them two concerts in one yeah. because <laughs> this will be so different, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the the second set as opposed to the first one. And uh, very often I also play double bass. Then, for instance, in mostly in the second set and the first set bass guitar yeah. in a duo. So you know, um, th- this has been a very very nice process. And also as a duo, you know, you, of course you grow constantly. You know, in different kind of uh, directions, and um, and you you know you put yourself at surface in a completely you know different uh, in different uh, combination of musicians, which asks different things from you. So. Yeah, this has been a very nice thing. And then the fi- fact that we asked Raphael now for this uh, doesn't say anything about the quality of the, of the rest of our guests or something. No, it was sure. more because um, what he brought in his solo album and the kind of thing, the, the sound he came, he really invented, I think, uh, um, 
fitted so well with the yeah. idea of what we wanted to do with uh, with this music. No, sure, that that, that makes sense. Um, and so I take it that now when you guys perform live, typically you perform as a trio. When you perform this repertoire, or at least like there's pieces where it's just two of you, but typically Rafael is there. Like if you're touring and you're playing. Uh, yes. Also, we did we did some concerts where we played the whole thing. Um, yeah, minus a couple of pieces where it's really essential that uh, that uh, that we have um, uh, Rafael. But uh, we can do quite a lot also with the two of us. Yeah. Also with the images. So we have done that. Uh, and right now, actually, what we do is um, we are kind of our own. Uh, Una and me are the support act of uh, of uh, Shapes of Time. So we play a short <laughs> duo set without the images. Oh, okay. And then we do uh, like an hour set with uh, uh, with Rafael. If, yeah. if that, that is, if we have to play two sets in a festival, of course. Yeah. We try to do most of it with Rafael, but still, I mean, this is you know. Um, it's not like Shapes of Time is now what we do. We're still, Ona and me are also thinking already about other collaborations, and mm-hmm. uh, there's something actually coming up in the next, uh, in this coming season, or this current season, uh, um, with uh, with two uh, uh, musicians from the UK. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a completely different thing again. So you know, it's 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 a, it's a, it's an ongoing uh, project, but then we're also still you know thinking yeah. about other things and playing duo and playing. Uh, but so, what has the what has the live experience been like for you guys? Because it seems like, like you said, it's it's a demanding thing for an audience to have to listen to two sets of of viola and bass. Like you said, like you guys fix that to a certain extent by having guests or by playing an opening act of your own, yourselves for another thing but like what like what are the i suppose my question is is maybe partly about what are the ideal venues what are the ideal circumstances to perform this it feels like it's such an intimate thing that uh, like i saw you guys play um we were we were at this festival in slovenia and you guys played and it was this outdoor stage and somehow that really worked although uh, i would have expected that to not be the best place to play this music like outdoors with on a like outdoor stage with projections that are like not necessarily as visible as you want them to be and it, it yeah like, no for, um, yeah uh well i mean for sure um you know this music is um, um very much about um focus and um i'm trying to look for the english word uh i, I have to find that <laughs> in dutch what do you onthasten so um, like the sort of the, the yeah the patience I suppose yeah like patience ten, um, and, and and like like this you know this this time full of uh, input you know from so many different sides and this constant hurry hurry we are in yeah. you know we really try to you know make a kind of a reaction to that and yeah. and take our time and let things you know be and stand still with certain things so mm-hmm. obviously uh, this music would not really work the best in a very hectic. No, sure. uh, a crazy atmosphere where people are walking around or talking or whatever, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, like a situation where people can actually just sit and and you know and let things be. I think would be definitely the best situation. I love that that particular uh, stage what you were what you were referring to because the. Uh, I mean, well, the projection was not that great. That's yeah. true, but uh, the the whole scenery, the church bells that were sounding, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. all these, you know, like this old village. Uh, uh, there was a lot of space, uh, which I liked around uh, around the. Uh, 
um, the, 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 the stage. Yeah. So these kind of things that were, you know, those were very nice for us. But um, yeah, obviously a, pl- a place, a venue uh, where, we, where you can see the projections really well and kind of like get really the full experience. Of course, they, they would work the best. Yeah. yeah. But so is that something like, have you... Have you found a lot of opportunities to find spaces like that? It seems to me like the typical like jazz club format doesn't necessarily work for that no, in a sense. No, yeah. And therefore a project like this could be looking more to the theater, even the classical kind of performance spaces and and stuff like that. Like, is that, are those directions that are open to you guys? I mean, obviously... Um, it seems to me like aesthetically you guys fit there, but yeah, definitely. Well, I mean the jazz club. I mean the 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 the, the, the sort of the you know the BIM house paradox type of venues. Of course, we played there, and yeah, and but it those was are fine. Those are the most exceptional yeah, jazz clubs it, on the planet. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, um, uh, we do play now. This is very nice. Uh, um, there's a concert um, coming up in um, uh, Den Helder, which is uh, an, a photo. Ex- uh, exhibition mm-hmm. where Udo ex- actually has also his photos okay. uh, presented and then yeah. we play in a cinema. Wow, okay. So the, the images are... Yeah, the projections are, are never yeah, going to be better. Yeah, and it's <laughs> going to be super dark and uh, uh, yeah. you see the images and you can really, like, let like you know, the, I mean, the, I mean this, I think you really need to have a certain uh, um, yeah, size of screen that let mm-hmm. these images really get to you. Yeah, and yeah. then I think the music also comes in differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, of course, th- that is going to be uh, uh, a fantastic uh, um, fantastic opportunity. That's the 7th of October in, uh, in Den Helder, Rondo Musica, it's called. So we yeah. do uh, basically, uh, there's all kinds of different photo expo- uh, exhibitions there, but, uh, but um, yeah, so we are part of that. Yeah, cool. So, and we play a couple of churches. Oh, wow. Uh, 2nd of November, uh, we play in the Koppelkerk uh, in uh, Bredevoort. And that's going to, I mean, those are like fantastic opportunities because also the acoustics of a church actually um, are very nice for us to uh, to play in. It's unusual for a a project, well, jazz project. I mean, we kind of certainly, using words like jazz are problematic at times, but like it's unusual for a band like the kind of bands that we church. play in to be happy to play in a church <laughs> and yet absolutely I mean yeah. I'd love to hear you guys in church yeah yeah that's, 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 that's definitely going to be a very nice thing to do and then we're going to play uh, also November 9 and 10 we're pl- play two concerts in Groningen one on Sound um, uh, Sound of Music Festival in the Grand Theater and then the next mm-hmm. day in the Rocket Festival in Oosterpoort yeah well that's going to be interesting to see yeah. how that uh, um you know, if the if a festival audience, uh, you know, usually you, there's so much stuff to see. Yeah, uh, exactly. there's like there's so much hectic, yeah, uh, a hectic atmosphere around the festival. Like you want to see like ten things in uh, one hour. Yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, it's going to be a challenge for us yeah. to see if uh, people have the patience to just sit down and yeah. and let this, uh, um, you know, like just. You know, you need a little bit of time to actually feel something. Yeah, you know? sure. And uh, like the sort of this fast, um, sort of the fast food way of getting input that we are exposed to now mm-hmm. every day, yeah. the whole time, if you don't watch out, you know, that's <laughs> definitely not the, the attitude you should, you know, yeah. come with if you want to yeah. want to check this out. So uh, so that that's going to be very interesting. Um, I'm trying to think if we already had... Well, this festival in Slovenia, for instance, I thought yeah. was very nice because um, 
you know, there was like, of course, this uh, summer jazz school was going on. Yeah. And all these students came from a very hectic. Yeah. So yeah to yeah, me, yeah. it felt like they all came from a very hectic day, com- constant yeah. input. And oh, then you true. could just go to a place that is very beautiful. That's, you sit outside. It's a nice temperature outside. Yeah. You just sit down and you just chill. Yeah. And it's not like we're playing some kind of new age meditative, uh, meditative music. No, or, sure. Uh, but, but, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's definitely, it was, it seemed to me it was the good atmosphere to just, yeah. Uh, let, let, let something, you know, uh, come to you. Yeah. No, and then we went and ruined it with our 10 men. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's... it's uh, Counter-programming, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think that actually way. was a good thing. Uh, and let, well, let me say, I was very happy that we didn't play after you. I th- yeah, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's a good point. I think, well, you know, it could calm you down, I suppose, after the the weird stuff. Yeah. But anyway... Um, Cool. Is there is there any other stuff like we haven't talked about any of your work uh, as a sideman? Any of stuff that you're you're up to? I know you do a lot of things. You also work in the pop world. You do a kind like all kinds of stuff. Is there anything along those lines you want to mention? And yeah, I'm so happy that uh, you know that I uh, yeah I'm fortunate enough to play with uh, with really amazing uh, musicians and projects. I'm very fortunate. I feel. I mean, I play with, of course with Ellen Tendamme, yeah. who is an extremely talented. Uh, uh, musician and performer, I feel, and uh, uh, it's so different actually yeah, that, uh, than than uh, doing something like Shapes of Time. But uh, for me, um, I I could not be without you know. Uh, hmm. I uh, I'm I don't necessarily feel like, um, um, for instance, I don't feel like I need to improvise all the time. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, very different from a lot of musicians I play with. Hmm. But I uh, actually there's space to you know, to move around, uh, of course, when you play with Ellen, but it's much more of a, uh, we don't play pop music, but it's played much more with, uh, yeah. with a certain pop There's a functional role. There. Yeah, and yeah. it's a show, you know, you have to be very yeah. aware of. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, that is, uh, that's definitely, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, her shows are really, and uh, she's a very strong performer, so it's great to be on stage with her. Uh, recently did a project with uh, Marcel Feinendal, direct singer. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he, is, uh, he started a side project called Ohm. Okay. Where he wrote the music for a very beautiful music, which has been performed uh, a few weeks ago with uh, Gelder's Orchest, which was very nice. Mm. And uh, uh, he's an amazing singer. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So strong. And uh, the music somehow really appeals to me because it has kind of this... Um, I'm really fond of this uh, uh, band from Iceland called Sigur Ross. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know if he, if Marcel knows this music. Okay. But somehow <laughs> what he wrote and the kind of thing he's looking for yeah. really appeals to me in that same hmm. type of way that Sigur Ross appeals to me. So it was great to play this with the orchestra. Yeah, cool. And uh, um, yeah, uh, well, another interesting thing that I might do is uh <laughs> that's gonna be a that's gonna be a challenge in many ways is uh, that i'm gonna be part of uh um the david bowie musical that's gonna be uh, uh oh next, yeah you uh, mentioned that yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, that's gonna be an um that's gonna take place next year yeah um uh starting in october mm-hmm. lazarus is the last thing that uh, david bowie uh did basically before yeah, he died and um yeah so 
I'm 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 gonna yeah I'm gonna play a musical for the first time in my <laughs> my <laughs> life. But then I thought if I if I want to experience that, then probably yeah. this is the the best one. Yeah, definitely, David. I mean, yeah, you could do much worse than a David Bowie musical yeah, if yeah, you're gonna play yeah, a musical. So, yeah, it's gonna. Be... Is there like I know that I found whenever I've done because I've also worked with a bunch of pop bands and done these kinds of things, and I always feel like there's um, that you learn a lot of like transferable skills that are then usable in in your other work and stuff like is there things that you can point to that or things that like uh, that you feel like you get out of the pop world that you wouldn't necessarily get out of the out of the jazz and improvised music world and vice versa like do you see connections between the two ways that you no uh yeah i see a lot of connections but i i um to be honest i don't really see it as so many different genres anymore okay i i think i come with the same attitude to hmm. to everything I play, and as I try to be very aware of um, the total, um, yeah. and so whenever I come, I try to uh, think what what can I bring to this music, and what does this need? Hmm. If this needs my improvisation skills, I will. Put, you know, try to put them yeah. uh, uh, in there. Uh, if it doesn't need that at all, and it just needs a few well-placed bass notes, mm. that's what I will do. Yeah. And if I succeed, and if I feel that I made, you know, uh, if I put myself at surface to whichever genre or whatever, uh, and I feel like I I can bring something to that, I'm, you know, uh, I'm. I feel I succeeded personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if you feel like you're doing that with a collective, mm. like a, you know, a group of people and you're actually kind of aiming, uh, in, you know, into the same direction and you're actually, you feel like there's this awareness that this, this, this is actually working. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's like, that's what, yeah. you know, that's what I'm looking for. And, yeah. and, uh, um, of course the more different things you do and in the more, you know, in many different contexts, you know, that you find yourself in and and uh, and you try to bring that the wiser and the more experience you get mm-hmm. and, and hopefully the better you do it, in that, you know, in the next yeah. thing. So definitely I take those experiences, but... Yeah. No, cool. I like it. That's a that's a proper bass player's answer. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's serve a, the situation. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, um, I'm not a soloist, you know, and like I'm a, probably the, the most soloistic and exposed... Uh, um, a situation I find myself in is uh, the duo. Yeah, of course. I was going to say, it's interesting. Like, we just talked for, like, whatever, 45 minutes about you playing duo and being practically naked on stage. Yeah, yeah. And then the conclusion is you also just want to serve the greater thing. Yeah, and yeah and definitely. That, uh, but it took some time yeah. <laughs> to sort of, like, get used to this exposed, uh, being so exposed and... Yeah. And, uh, and um don't really feel it that way anymore, but just feel like, no, no, I just mean, this, uh, yeah, this is again, my place in the music and this is yeah. just what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bit, it took mentally some, you know, some effort to yeah. to, to make it easy again. <laughs> cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we're, we're reaching the end of this conversation, but um, 
before we go, I always like to ask my guests if there's something they'd like to recommend people check out. Uh, if there's anything that comes to mind, it can be a book, it can be a movie, a record, anything. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, yes, of course, I check out uh, Shapes of Time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know please, if you can please, actually please say check recommend your own record yeah, as, as no, a thing. Come yeah. on, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, um, uh, I would, I would definitely, uh, uh, I would, I mean, I would be very happy if people check out uh, Udo's work, yeah, the photos he made, sure, and I would be also very happy if people check out Rafael. Fanoli's uh, yeah. uh, uh, solo record. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are things. I mean, we mainly spoke about uh, Shapes of Time, of course, um, but those things were so. Insp- I mean, were so inspiring and are were so key to um, to uh, uh, you know the birth of this whole project. So definitely uh, many kudos uh, to them yeah. and uh, and uh, and uh, credits. And definitely would be great if people check out their work. Yeah, sure. I will be linking to all of that yeah. on the website so people can, can find it directly there. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me again. That was Mark Hanstra. If you would like more information about him and his projects, there'll be a few links at soundandmoment.com to help you out. Uh, you could purchase his music, of course, and I also highly recommend taking a look at Udo Prinzen's photography because it really is beautiful and quite essential to this project. Of course, I'll be playing you more music from Shapes of Time in just a moment. But first, I would like to thank my fellow members of Catrio who provided the intro and outro music that you can hear right now. Please go to the Patreon page for Sound of the Moment. That's patreon.com slash sound of the moment and consider making a donation over there. That really is very helpful to me and helps me keep things running. If you have feedback or comments, please contact me via either the Facebook page for Sound of the Moment or via Twitter. That's at Pat Cleaver. And of course, you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. Please subscribe to the show, tell a friend, and leave a favorable viewer rating wherever it is that you like to listen. Finally, let's hear more music from Shapes of Time. This track is called Cyclo, and it features Rafael Vanoli on guitar, as well as Uno van Geel on viola, and of course, Mark Hanstra on the bass. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment.